Fan Freaks Podcast, episode number 47. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. This is Agent the Masterful Dude of Doodiness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most, and I am joined by... The Bone King. How we doing, Bone? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how is it on your side of the world? I know we're, we're moving over through the digital waves right now. Yeah, I'm in Miami and you're in uh, Hollywood. <laughs> Well, gee, just go ahead and dox us, why don't you? <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you guys um, for stopping by. This is actually going to be a really special episode, like we say every single episode, by the way. Uh, it's going to be a question of the week episode about our dream horror movies. Now, this is going to be something, um, a new kind of like format that we're thinking of using where we kind of like build our favorite movie of X genre. And I'm thinking that might be a good idea, right? Right. I'm totally in. But before that, let's go ahead and get into our reasons. Um, you want me to start us out or you want to go first? No, you start. Okay, so uh, I'll start out with my games because they're really simple and there's really not a lot to go into. Um, so, Dead by Daylight. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I kept playing. I Turns am out, Yeah, I know, right? It's almost like I'm trying to get good at it or something. Um, although my stream would say otherwise. Uh, so right now they're having a fourth anniversary event going on. Um, so there's a lot of, like, you know, exclusive items and bullshit, so, like, a lot of people are playing. Uh, so I don't know why I used this time, of all the times, to decide playing as other killers and trying them out, and holy shit, when, you know when you, like, pick a new, um, fighting game character, and you're like, I want to try maining this person, and you're like, holy shit, I don't even know where my legs are with this character. <laughs> okay. No? You don't think so? You've never had that. I don't, I don't remember having that, no. Oh my god, I've had it happen all the time where like I'm so used to playing one character and then when I like go, okay, I like this character, let me try playing them and it's just like, womp, oh my god, I can't even fucking like function <laughs> at all and I'll try but it just won't go. I'm trying to think of like another game where that happened really strongly outside of Dead by Daylight. I don't know why Smash is coming to mind a lot. Oh, you know what? Guilty Gear. You ever play Guilty Gear? I have, yeah. There's a guy with, like, a lion mane, and he has, like, giant crosses as weapons. I really wish I could remember his name. But um, it's probably, like, Leo something, knowing Japanese fighting games. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, him. I loved his design, but I fucking suck as playing him. And I'm like, goddamn. Like, there's just some characters where you just don't have your sea legs with them. And Dead by Daylight, I was just losing all over the place. Anyway, moving on. Um, so really, that's kind of it for games, and I really don't have any TV shows, which is kind of weird. Instead, I doubled up on movies. So I'll go ahead and just give a, a brief synopsis on the things that I've watched. Okay. So for movies, uh, the first one, I saw V for Vendetta. I mean, was it your first time? It was my first time in a very, very long time. I okay, saw so it you probably... So you have seen it before. Yeah, but when I was, like, really young and didn't really understand, like, because the thing is, I always thought of it as, like, uh, oh, wow, so that's the movie where B got all the fucking jokes from, or the, the anonymous mask and all that shit from 4chan and whatever the fuck. Right. But, like, now, seeing it as an adult, especially in light of some of the events of, uh, in America right now, it was just... I'm not going to lie, kind of chilling to see, like, a fictional story, like, have a lot of similar elements to the real world. You do know it's a comic book movie, right? I know. I heard it. I, I have heard that it's a comic book. I don't know anything about the comic book, so I don't know if it's drastically different from I, the comic. Or... I'm just going to tell you this. 
I'm just going to tell you this and then I'll leave it, leave it to whatever you want to think about. But the person who wrote the comic book was the same person who wrote Watchmen. Oh, wow. Alan Moore. Well, damn. I, I could see why they're a very good writer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is there, a roundabout like a way of me, of me telling you to fucking finish Watchmen. That was it. No. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Now I know. Because I was like, is there like a stigma behind this movie that like me saying that I, I really thought it was kind of interesting, especially for now, like makes is like a scandalous thing to say or something? Uh, No. No, it's not scandalous. It's just it's it's so it's like the tool to be used for the times that we are in. Particularly, I remember seeing it was a resurgence. It was even trending on Twitter back in 2016 when Trump oh. got elected. Like a lot of people really adhere to the message in the movie. And, you know, it's an interesting message, to say the least. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, I, I was watching the movie, and through the midway point, like, you want to root for um, V, but he's not really 100%—I wouldn't say he's 100% correct in his morals. Like, I can't agree with everything he's doing, but obviously that's what the movie wants you to think, right? And halfway through it, I'm like, I want an answer because it's so similar to today's problems. Like, what would be an answer in this world? And I'm trying not to spoil things, obviously. That's why I'm being so vague with the things that I'm talking about. But, like, in the end, I never once said, you know what, V is is correct. You know what I mean? 100%. That I don't even think that's... I, I always felt he was know. just a gray character, though. Like, gray. He is, oh, my God. Gray, yes. gray to the nth degree. Like, he's an antihero. You're not supposed to agree with him. Whereas, vis-a-vis, let's take a polar opposite of V and go with Rorschach. Who's very black and white? Oh, okay. Rorschach. Def- well, they're both eloquent speakers, <laughs> right? They are, but there's also the the simple fact of the matter with with Rorschach is that he's black and white. He believes in absolutes, and he, while he has his opinions of the president in the comic and in the movies, uh, he, oh, sorry, movie, movie. He, there's only been one Watchmen movie, but. He's only well, he's only yet he, right. He he spoke ill of Tricky Dick, but he is very um right wing whereas V is very left wing. He's very liberal. Yeah. So it's they're kind of for me two sides of the same coin just with two very different ways to go about that coin. Just Alan Moore really likes his extremists <laughs> on either side, I guess. Yeah. He's an extremist himself. So. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, in terms of, of a character, I was really um, enamored with just listening to V talk. But at the same time, I could see where all the cringy milady shit came from. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of vicious. It really did come from him. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, ah, milady, I protected you in this alleyway as I tip my hat and vivishly speak with such eloquent proses. And it's like, all right, okay, you're, you're obviously, you know, a crusader. Do you know who played me? Just fucking relax. 
No, I was going to ask you. I never looked it up. Who is it? Hugo Weaving. Shut the fuck up. Really? Yeah, that's Hugo Weaving. Fucking Mr. Anderson. Yeah, welcome back. Fucking Red Skull? Yeah, he hates Red Skull, but yeah. Why? Dude, has he ever played a character who's like, uh peppy charismatic and not always a down because i'm sorry always in my experience this is why i'm so flabbergasted hugo weaving always plays a very serious role he's always typecasted into like this very stoic character lord of the rings the fucking elf king dude he always has a fucking grimace on his face you know uh matrix mr not mr anderson because that's neo but whatever the fuck his name was agent smith agent smith yeah thank you um, but you know what I mean? He always plays that stoic character. So for me to think like this, him playing V, that's incredible. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're you're so happy. But a lot of people tend to forget <laughs> that he played v, uh, v. What other thing did you watch? Uh, the other thing I saw was Taxi Driver. Hey, you talking to me? Like, literally, that scene, it was put in Joker. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't want to come into this being already with the Joker comparisons, but you brought that scene up, right? It's the most famous scene of Taxi Driver. Is it? It is. It's arguably I, 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 excuse me, it's arguably the most famous scene in Taxi Driver. I guess, I guess it's because me personally, I really liked that scene where he's um you it's like a really deep in his like in inward look on this guy's character. Like when he's in the, the cabin he's driving that that um mayor in his backseat. And oh, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I forget what his name is. The prime, not prime minister, but you know it, what I mean. It was the, the guy running for mayor. Yeah. Yeah. The guy running for mayor. Like his monologue there. It is so interesting to see him like appeal to the mayor and, and like, but this, this mask that he has just sort of slipping as he's talking. And it's just like, just flush it all down. All the shit. You know, sometimes I smell it and I get headaches. It's, it's so visceral that movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that was Scorsese in the 70s. He was in your face. It was brutal. That, Mean Streets, Raging Bull, those types of movies. They have some some great monologues that are disguised as dialogues, but they're really monologues because one person's listening to all this. And you just have to be that person in that scene. Yeah. What are you do? What would you do if you were listening to this from this random person, that insert that we have? And and it's not it's like talking directly to you too. So yeah. it, it's it's not like it's just narrating. It's it's giving active like opinions and philosophy, you know, and asking you to wonder about it. Uh, what else did you watch, or did you have any thoughts on Taxi Driver itself? Because it, honestly, the fact that you watched V for Vendetta and Taxi Driver are two <laughs> different movies, but they both have this really. Uh, adorated, uh, lo- beloved, adored fixtures that everybody wants to be. Like everybody likes Travis. Like most dudes that I'm worried about really like Travis Bickle. And I, most see, but dudes, I'm glad you said that though. But go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. Finish. And most dudes that I'm worried about really are like sympathize or I I idolize both characters V as well. So. <laughs> Why'd you go into so deep into Fedora Cinema? 
Uh, well, <laughs> honestly, it wasn't even intentional. I mean, mainly it's just whatever's popular on Netflix because it comes up. It's like, hey, what this is what's popular. So I guess everyone's sort of watching it in the public conscious. Um, and, don't, and actually, don't get me wrong. I, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taxi Driver is one of the best films ever made. It's certainly in the top 25. Maybe top 20. Mm-hmm. But but still, it's 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 kind of, it's a it's a it's a edgy as fuck movie. <laughs> It's just, I find it very interesting because, like, not at any point, like, because you're saying that there are some people out there that that somehow understand, like, his ideals and, and want to sort of, like, yes, this is the natural conclusion. I'm really trying hard to not spoil things and stuff. Right, right, <laughs> but right. But, like, you, you, you know, like, and at that, I never had that point as he's doing some of the more extreme things towards the end. You're kind of like, I never once was like, yeah, well, you know what? They brought him to this and this is the, the right way to go. You know what I mean? But for V, I was more able to, to believe it, maybe just because he was so charismatic and that wooed me much like Evie in the movie. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's just like, I feel like in Taxi Driver, the city is just... It's so grimy. That That is some great cinematography. It's just like when you hear him talk about like how shitty the city is, like you really see it and you can like see it with this whole like there's like a yellow green filter over like a lot of things and it makes everything look very sickly. It's very well done. I don't know. I I may want to um, talk about it again on another episode. I think I might see uh, Taxi Driver a second time. I know I didn't like the ending, but it, there's a lot of cinematography things that were really neat. I'd be absolutely down to watch it together. That way we could compare notes. Cool. That even sounds like it might be a special. Mm. No? The Midnight okay. Special. <laughs> so many specials in production. Yeah. Oh, uh, if you right, guys so that, only that's... knew... <laughs> Yeah, I know. We we're we're really talking about it. Don't worry, we're working on stuff for you. Got plenty of pies in the oven. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's all the recents I got. So thank you very much for listening to my TED Talks. <laughs> Funny story, Mike. Oh Mark, my God. Um so I haven't been playing much at all. I've been uh watching a lot. Let's start with TV. I started a new anime. Well, it's not new, but it's new to me. Uh, high school DXD. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's a harem. This All right. Is, this is not for children. I mean, well, I'm sorry. I'm already getting red flags at a harem anime in high school. But let's continue. <laughs> uh, it is. It's 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 very much a comedy, and I don't think it takes itself seriously at all. Uh, I'm five episodes in. This has been requested to me by a lot of girls who really like how perverted the show is. And I see why it's so perverted. But it's funny. And it has that charm. But good lord. (laughs) Good lord. I'm just so sorry. I'm distracted because, like, I don't know how many fucking times. If I had a nickel every single time... 
I was shown an anime that had an arbitrary goddamn high school put on top of it. I think I'd be buried and suffocated by goddamn nickels. Like, it, it's, it is just crazy how many times they shoehorn in a school system and the most ridiculous things. Like, oh, welcome to the military school. Welcome to the summoner school. The, the, the reaper school. The ninja school. It just never ends. The pirate school. Like, it's, like, I can't. Not only that, like, every Every character is like a specific stereotype that you you know is a stereotype you're like oh okay Th- this is this is, it's a cliche this is, this is what is it where is we're going okay i know where we're going like the main character in the very first episode you find out oh you have innate power in you oh my god yeah. we're here again How innate we power in you oh huh, that sounds like someone out of fucking class ca <laughs> that was the class <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wait what i just made that up if that's actually a thing in your yeah anime. yeah it is it, it's uh 2c or some shit or ca i fuck, forgot but there's a fuck c in off. it see this is exactly what i'm talking about you have to like even persona did it with the, the, the well they're all in high school because they have to but like they they make the fucking like shadow hunting group like some sort of extracurricular group it's fucking dumb like why <laughs> I don't know. High School of the Dead, at least you know they're out of the high school by, like, the first episode. I really liked High School of the Dead, but that is, like, one of the most pervy fan service shows I've Did ever watched. Did it end? Yeah. Did it, it end? I it, don't remember. It ended because it got canceled because, yeah. Okay, I remember what the last episode just sort of just ending without a real ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah it just ended. Okay, so I, I didn't uh, miss an episode or something. Okay, good. <laughs> What other show have I been watching? I don't know. That's it. That's the only show thing I've been watching. I got to get back to Deadwood. But really, mm-hmm. that's it right now. I'm thinking about just getting back on Crunchyroll and just watch anime again. I'm just going to go I, scarf down that tempura roll. I just miss it. It's a, it's a thing. I miss it. Re- rewatch JoJo, I guess. I have to finish part five of JoJo. Oh, I'm at Giorno. Goodbye, Jojo. All right, Dio. <laughs> so movies, as you know, and I posted it all over my Facebook, which I should have been posting on Twitter, but whatever. Uh, I watched Hereditary, Midsommar, and Annihilation, because these are three Fuck. movies everyone and their mother has been telling me, please watch, please watch. Except Hereditary. Hereditary has been, like, the most divisive movie everyone's told me to, like... Some people are telling me, don't watch it. It's shit. It's boring. It's not good. Other people are like, Mm. it is absolutely fucking fantastic. It's a great movie. You would enjoy it. Everyone's... I have a theory. I have a theory on that, by the way, but I'll let you finish. Everyone's beloved uh, Midsommar. That's the one everyone loved. For sure. And then Annihilation, mm. everyone kind of tells me the same thing, which is very good special effects. And they're not that good. They're good, but not that good. There's some scenes where it looks a little bad. And then other scenes where it's like, holy fuck, they blew the budget on that. Okay, but can I let me have... Because the thing is, you brought up three of probably some of like the most interesting movies I've seen in the past five years. Like, you, this list you pulled out, I almost am certain you pulled it from previous episodes in the podcast, because I've mentioned every single one of these movies on your list here. Yes. 
And especially yes. Annihilation, which in your review online, you were like, I may dock it down a score because of all the hype it got. And I wonder if that's my fault. No, actually, it was someone else that told me it was uh, the Citizen's Kane of science fiction. That oh, was, well, I wouldn't go that far. No, Right. But that's it wasn't your hype. I just want to be OK. First and foremost. Yes, these movies, you have talked to me. You have talked to me about it. But uh, you aren't the only one that has told me these movies are great. Yeah, I just know that I hyped it. Hereditary, actually, you're like one of two people that told me it was very good. Other other people, like out of ten people, eight told me it was bad. And I wanted to see it for myself. I wanted to see it for myself because I really like the lead actress, Toni Collette. Um... So I'm just going to do it real quick because uh, we're spending way too much time on this. Uh, Yeah, well, pick my favorite movies. Like, what do you want from me? (laughs) Hereditary, really good. Uh, Some scenes, some shots stay with me. Some moments stay with me. There's, It's really good directorial-wise. I cannot believe that is a debut director's first movie. Blew my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. Um got really a lot out of those performances. Gabriel Byrne was very subtle in the way he was acting, but Tony Collect literally was robbed at the Academy Awards. She wasn't even nominated for Best Actress. That's fucking terrible. She acted the shit out of the movie. I understand, however, why it's not for everyone. It really isn't. It, it, but it is you know what it is i find it a good metric to see the type of person you are do you like slow methodical films that tell you something and then it reverses it it subverts the expectation in a good way because it blows your fucking mind at everything and it makes sense right at the very end i give it a good mm. i think it was 8.5 to 9 i think it was fucking amazing I would be down to rewatch it again. The two hours did not feel two hours. Just, I, as I said before, there was a, a theory that I wanted to bring up where you said that it's very divisive, and I think that that's very, uh, for a very good reason. Um, you're right, it's related to how the pacing is. Now, there are two types of people who watch thrillers. One who, uh, one audience, one school of thought are the people that like, they like to know where the movie's going at all times and like to just see it play out. If they're kind of left out in the wild and not sure like where the plot is going, they feel like it's, it's meandering and they're not really focused. And that's one school of thought. And then there's another school of thought that's actually impressed when they don't know what's happening. When you, they think something's happening and it keeps on subverting it and changing directions consistently and it surprises them. But where it like it actually makes the other camp think that you're just meandering around, this other camp is actually really impressed by it. And that's why it's so divisive. Agree a hundred percent. Because I consider when I yeah. walk into, for example, and I hate this is gonna date me, but if I walk into a paranormal activity movie, I kind of mm. know what to expect. But since I'm going into this movie. It doesn't really show you much. The trailer shows you some things about this creepy looking girl with these creepy looking shots. And you're kind of with the title, you're thinking it's something completely separate. And then you just come Mm -hmm. to find out that 
it has a totally different connotation at the very end. And I'm right. fi- I'm fine with that. I'm fine with both films because, you know, it's just sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and go enjoy a Fast and Furious movie. And other times you want something that will, like, challenge you. And I don't think a lot of people wanted to be challenged with Hereditary. Well, that's the thing, though. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, if you don't, if you're dumb, you won't like this movie because that's not really the impression I want to give off. It's more like if you're not rooted in the world, you're not going to care. If you can't get immersed in what's happening, then you've already you've already lost it because the the ride is moving so fast that if you're not on board, you've already been lost. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's all I wanted to say because that that movie is so fucking good. That's like one of my almost S ranks. I don't even know if it's an S rank, but it's fucking up there. It's like an A plus plus movie for me. All right. We'll probably have to do a talking tears of like favorite horror movies. Um. Oh my god. That would. That's gonna be a long show. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next, Midsummer. Midsummer or S- Midsummer. Um. So when you when when you're put in my shoes. And you're seeing that it's the same director, it's the same studio. You watch you watch it right after Hereditary, and then the movie starts with that absolute banger of a beginning, and it just gives you a wealth of information and just unloads on you just something so traumatic. And then you go into where the beginning is great. For the first 10 minutes, everything's fucking dark. Everything's gritty and dark. But then they go, the main characters, everybody goes, the group goes to this sunshine fucking drenched Sweden thing. And that Sweden thing. Uh, yeah. It, it is the Midsommar celebration, yes. Of right. The midsummer. Right, but yeah. there's it doesn't ever truly go into night. Like... Well, that's the, that's the whole point of the, the event, is that I the th- sun is, like, up in the air for longer than usual. Right. It's, like, 75% to 80% of the film is daylight. And I don't know if you've ever shot film. Have you ever shot film? Shot film? I've been in film, but I've never shot film, no. Shooting film in daylight. Film, not digital, but film is one of the worst fucking things in imaginable. Because the moment that film gets revealed to the daylight, it's wasted. The entire spool is wasted. Then, not only that, you have to measure all the foot candles and everything, and you have to get the shot right. It looks digital, and I could only imagine that's not as difficult as film, but it still must be fucking difficult. Because you and I have shot shit outside, and it just doesn't fucking look right. The daylight won't isn't your friend. And not only that, to get it right and to do it for continuity's sake, and all those shots were fucking outside. They shot a location. That wasn't a fucking set. That looked way too good to be a set. And I I was just... I I, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, I want to add a little bit of a ping here. You know that they did color correction as well, right? Like, that's... No, they, and they did modify a little bit. And that's also props to the visual effects cuz I love yeah, 100%. There's a, there's a this is a very mild spoiler, but there's a certain scene where the main characters imbibe some, you know, hallucinogenic drugs, trippy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you see what they see and it's super subtle. It's super subtle in the background. 
And then you just see that and it's like, holy fuck, it is so good. Um, honestly, it's probably right there with Hereditary for very different reasons. Because Hereditary slows it. Whereas Midsommar starts very strong and puts you in this world. And it kind of is faster paced almost. But it still has... I, uh, the, I guess. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. But this is a movie <laughs> with an added 25 minutes of runtime. So mm. it does have that. And in the third act, it's tremendous. Because you don't know where it's going. And then when it goes to where it's going, you're like... Yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense, and I firmly was on the side of Danny, the May Queen. Uh, mm -hmm. I give it a nine. It's a solid nine. I would also absolutely rewatch it. I loved it from head to toe. Uh, you're, it's so you're weird to me because Midsommar, like I, I went into it. Everyone said exactly what you're saying right now, and you were saying that you don't know where it's going. I thought it was possibly the most predictable one on your list right now this the opening is super strong as you say wow. and then when they get there the set design is probably the best part of the movie in my opinion like the cinematography is gorgeous you're absolutely correct however as someone who has played resident evil 4 it's a pretty fucking easy setup to get and and sort of see going from the get-go you know what i mean so I don't know. I, I I kind of knew where it was going, but it was still worth seeing because the way it was done was very creative. I wouldn't give it an eight. I'd more give it a seven. I don't know if I'm being honest, but it is, it is a good movie to pair along with Hereditary. Absolutely. Yeah, like if it was a if you guys are doing like a freaky double feature, an A twenty four double feature. There you go. And then maybe you could throw in Lighthouse, the Lighthouse, and that'll God fucking be your fucking third movie. damn! I love that movie. <laughs> Um, A24 is really good, dude. They are. I'm not saying they're not. Um, Just so, saying. They're like quickly becoming my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I still have to finish Uncut Gems, but I get sidetracked when I see Ana. No, Ana. Ana the. <laughs> Ana the Armis's ass. Like, I, I, I lost my mind when I saw that. Uh, and I had to pause it at certain parts. Anyway, that was revealing too much. <laughs> Welcome to Freaky After Dark. Uh, <laughs> is that a podcast idea? Anyway. Uh, Maybe. Top Review porns. Freaky 5 Top 5 Porns. Um, <laughs> uh, any other movies you've seen? Or? No, 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 no. I'm getting there. Oh, wait. You've got another one. you got Annihilation. What you just said about Midsommar, about it being predictable, that's how I feel about Annihilation. I don't even know the how moment, the fuck. The okay. moment, the moment, the, I saw the, fuck, that's, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, we're, we're having troubles here because there, there's, uh, the best parts of these movies are what we can't actually talk about. Like, I couldn't talk anything about Taxi Driver. Like, mm -hmm. half of the thing is wondering if he's going to do things, you know, like. <laughs> the moment that certain guy gets on that bed and then she does that thing where she goes in there i knew already that when it when they started talking about the flowers and how it's still the same physiology but slightly different i was like oh okay i see where this is going not to say it was bad but it's certainly for me the weakest of the three movies i saw 
That's so strange because, like, th- I, that movie sets up so many interesting questions to me. Like, I will say, in terms of a sci-fi premise, it's so cool. I will say, I feel really bad that it's a, it's a, it's considered a bomb. It deserved more than what it got. Uh, it's a really well-made film. I enjoyed it. Like, I, there are solid different things to be scared of too. It's not like even like it's hitting the same ping over and over again. It's no, always throwing no. different kinds of things. Right. right. It's different layers of horror where it's giving you things to be scared of and you have to decide existential dread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's things in there that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Obviously. Yes. I'm just going to say one one word and everybody knows what I'm going to say. Bear. That shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone loves that shit. And you will never forget the sound of that bear. No. No. It'll fucking fucking haunt you. Whoever designed that fucking holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of wanted to know more of the physiology of everything. And it's such an interesting world. And the whole, okay, uh, that's a little spoilery. But you, it's not a spoiler um, to say evolution because that is the premise. No, evolution no. is the premise on the poster as well. Right, so. but but, all, but I was going to say about the time lapsing. Like you don't know exactly how much time they've been in there and shit like that. Yeah, it's disorienting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that adds, but I, I see what you mean. Yeah, what I do appreciate was that each character wasn't a cliche. There were, uh, actually, no, there was one cliche, which was the leader, so you kind of knew why. But the other ones, they were very fleshed out, and I and I felt bad when things happened bad to them, and I felt good when good things happened. And it was, it was mm. redeeming to have quality characters, and it was nice to see uh, Natalie Portman give a shit about a script again. <laughs> and I really uh, I did like some of the special effects but this one's probably going to be a solid 8 for me this is I guess that's fair this is a bro of course it's fair it's my fucking rating <laughs> no I mean in terms of like me agreeing I, I would obviously give it a little more just because it opened up so many new ideas yeah I can't believe you give Midsommar a 7 but I'm but it's your list I'm not gonna knock you but think of the comparison here I really want to talk about this maybe after the show as well because it's like like one of the movies it, it opens up so many doors in terms of what can happen like the minute you see that guy fused to the wall and I don't, I'm not saying anything particular of who that is or where, but like that kind of like uh, visual where you're like grotesque, you're, you're grossed out, but also very like attracted. You're like, oh my God, I can't stop looking at it. Not attracted like you want to bang it, but like you can't stop looking at it's, it. It's just so weird. It's hauntingly beautiful. Yes. I, I don't even know if beautiful, like it is in a way because of the way it's designed, like it's very artistic and stuff, but it's just so strange and you don't know even what you're looking at, but it just, you need to satisfy your morbid curiosity by just fucking looking at this thing. And that movie just has so many different layers of that shit. And then I look at Midsommar and it's like, yeah, it does those things very well, but they are still just those cliches, you know? And I just thought maybe... Annihilation opened it a bit more, but it is your list. So you know what? I respect that. I respect that. The, there is one thing I have to knock for Annihilation is, is aside from the fact that people have told me it's the fucking Citizen Kane of, of 
that, sci- that's stupid though sci-fi like, like, like they were praising it as the fucking it's the dark souls of movies they 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 called it oh this is way better than alien i'm like all right oh I, uh, all right i don't know about that uh i don't either and there's some it's, part, a, t- it's a completely different movie like there, yeah <laughs> but there's some parts in the movie where it just completely takes you out from where where you're interested in to give you a backstory on a marriage that you don't really yes it's to give you backstory on why she's doing it but these flashbacks flash forwards and then it it really for me it disjointed the storytelling like the arc would have been fine if it was straight and and fine we already Mm -hmm. had a reason but i didn't need to hear this fucking i didn't need this subplot Right. And for me, it took me out of that because you took me away from things I was interested in. You give me a world. I want to play in that world. I want to see it. There's things that are beautiful. There's things that are killing people. I want to see that. I don't want to see her in the fucking bedroom again. And I don't want to see her in the fucking couch again. And they're having some of the most wooden conversations I've ever heard. And I'm there like, okay, I don't like that Portman. Give me the other Portman. (laughs) <laughs> you know i think that's and fair then, and you know and what then that- there's a fucking the worst thing in writing the worst thing in writing is where you plant something and you don't give me the payoff do you know what, what that is no okay let me give you let me, i'm gonna do some screenwriting 101 uh, i know what check fucking Chekhov's gun is or whatever i know what you're talking about okay but there's this specific scene in the very beginning where they get to the first base or whatever, this girl picks up this LMG, this big heavy machine gun. And she immediately drops it and says, it's too heavy and we never see it again. But she carried okay. it, but we never see it again. And Maybe that was to establish that they had it at that base? Because remember, they were investigating the remains of something. But you don't but I guess, show yeah, me something. You line, yeah. You don't show me this. You don't waste time and show me this thing that could be helpful, particularly particularly right after. It would have been helpful to use. And then just say, no, it's too heavy or no, I'm not going to take it. And that pissed me off. That's why it's an A. I don't know because this movie has so many intricate details like the tattoo thing that that happens and a lot of other details that are really fucking subtle. So I don't know. That might I have to rewatch it again and maybe I'll figure it out. But I will agree that for those scenes where it's flashbacks with the the husband and whatnot like those those stink of like, you know, supervisors going, you know what, we need someone to explain it to the audience. And I'm always for cutting out exposition because I feel like you're just wasting time. I might as well just fucking watch it. I agree with you. So I don't know. I guess that didn't really bother me as much as my mind was just wandering with the possibilities of the world. But you're right, though. It would be better to actually see it. <laughs> One second. Can we take 30 seconds to explain Chekhov's gun to the person in the room? That's listening to us that might not know sure. what Chekhov's gun is. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You want me to? Yeah. I've never heard it called Chekhov's gun. I just want to make sure. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Chekhov's gun. But then again, I get all the fucking names mixed up. Like there's Schrodinger's cat, Pavlov's dog. Like I, I get all these things mixed up. But Chekhov's gun is essentially you don't introduce a gun in the first act and then never use it again. Like the idea is if you have a rifle on the table like, in your scene, it can't just be there, like, with no use. 
Like, it was written into the story for a reason. You can't just have it do nothing. Like, otherwise, it's just unnecessary fluff. Unless it's there to, like, be a descriptor in the, in the, in the setting, and it's supposed to establish something with the character that he likes guns or some bullshit. But really, you can't, as actually the dude was saying, have someone pick up the gun and say, mm, this is a gun here, put it down, and then it never become relevant ever again. So, I have to rewatch that scene, because you're right, that is a film rule that you should not break. But I have a feeling it's it's there for a reason, because this movie is actually really well made, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but that's. I'm glad we're. I hear you. You're right. I'm agreeing with you. I just I feel like I need to see it again to explain it. Maybe now, I need to. Now, maybe it is. I that. just want to just say thank you for telling me that it's called Chekhov's gun, but that's basically what it is. And who says mm-hmm. you can't learn anything on the Fan Freaks podcast? Yeah, we try to teach you something, learn you real good every episode. You know, <laughs> every third episode, there's something. Uh, but we're, there's a trivia every now and then. Uh, do we even have time for news? Uh, I mean, we can. I mean, it's not a lot, really. Like, we can't really... Just watch, watch. I'll burn through my shit super fast. Just fucking watch me. Watch this. All right. Animal Crossing, summer update, July 3rd. You ever wanted to jump in that fucking water? Boom. You get a sweatsuit, swimsuit, all the suits you want, and you just dunk in that motherfucker, and you could pick up fish straight off the fucking ground. And that that's it. That, that's the Animal Crossing update. Um, the last bit of my news, and I just wanted to put this because I thought it was adorable, and if there was any way I could, like, you know tell people how cool Masahiro Ito is, I'm going to use the chance to. Masahiro Ito, the monster designer of Silent Hill 2 and creator of Pyramid Head, um, you know, he's been really hyped up as creator of Pyramid Head because he, Pyramid Head is such a prolific, you know, um, monster in, in really in any horror thing. Um, maybe I'm biased, but I don't know. But really, when the Dead by Daylight DLC came out and everyone was praising him, like, oh my god, this, this Pyramid Head dude, who is he? You know, all the new millennials and shit. Is it even millennials? I don't know. The new fucking kids or whatever. Zoomers. Fucking are like, the Zoomers are like, who the fuck is this? He looks awesome. And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> and Masahiro Ito is like, yeah, he's cool, but you should really check out these other people that also worked on monsters on the team. Like, this guy created Robbie, um, Usagi Tanaka. You know, and this is the guy who, who did the shadows on the game. And without the shadows, my monster wouldn't even be effective. Like, he's so fucking modest that he won't even just take the compliments. He's just like, no, but guys, look at all these other things that helped make it happen. So props to Masahiro Ito. I love this man. He's adorable. All right. My news. Uh, Joel Schumacher died. Rest in peace. I'm sorry. Um, I'm one of the few people that I know that actually really like Batman Forever. And Batman and Robin is really fun to quote. Fuck you. Uh, I like it. It's not the, the best one, but I do like it as a movie. It is fun. It is a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, he's also one of the few people I've ever met. Well, not met personally, but one of the few people I've ever seen apologize for a movie because he actually apologized for Batman for uh, and Robin because he said in a DVD extra for Batman and Robin, which I own. I'm not ashamed to admit. No. But he said, uh, if you enjoyed Batman Forever, really enjoyed it and you were disappointed with Batman and Robin, I'm sorry. I tried to do a little too much. And the, and he also put a little blame on the studio, which is true. The studio wanted to sell toys. Uh, but much love and respect because at the end of the day, you were an artist and you must be respected for your work because you did a lot of work. 
uh, phone booth. And listen, buddy, there, you know, leather suits wouldn't be where they are today without the bat nipples. If we're going to be completely honest, you know, he was a forerunner. So. God damn right. Uh, then next thing we have is, uh, speaking of Schumacher, is Michael Keaton coming back to the cowl. He's in talks mm. to appear in a Flashpoint type of thing as an older Bruce Wayne in uh, the Flash movie. And there's talks that one of the reasons he's negotiating right now is to do a Batman Beyond movie where old Bruce Wayne gets Terry McGinnis the suit and the oh movie is set in the future, which is something everybody and their fucking mother has been wanting. I've always Want wanted it. him to play fucking older Bruce so bad. In so Beyond. you might actually get that now. Fuck <laughs> yeah. And I still do want Robert Pattinson as Terry. I, that is a solid pick. I really wish they would go through with that. That might not happen. Yeah, but he, he, he could do it. I really think he could. So that's it, man. That's all my news. Okay, well, shit. I know we kind of went a little overboard just because there were just some really fucking good movies this week. Like, for real, right? Yeah, I mean, they didn't come out this week, but it, we watched them this week for the first time. What I mean to say is they were really damn good movies on the show today, sir. Mm. Of course, they didn't fucking come out this goddamn week. But I mean, still, like, V for Vendetta, Taxi Driver, Hereditary, like, fuck, I, th- this movie set list would be a fucking killer party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would. Like, you probably fall asleep after the fourth movie just because it's just so many movies. But still, like, they are just fucking hits right one after the other like holy shit um anyway so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break we'll be right back uh we're gonna recharge refresh and then we're gonna talk um excuse me then we're gonna tackle our question of the week our dream horror movie which after we just talked about a whole bunch of horror movies that actually is pretty apropos right right because here here on the fan freaks podcast halloween is a state of mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah Please take me back. Take me back. Hello, everyone. This is Bone King, and you're listening to the Fan Freaks podcast, hosted proudly on the Fan Freaks Facebook group. That's F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S Fan Freaks. Hey, how are you? Welcome back to the Fan Freaks podcast. We're talking about movies here. Movies over in Hollywood, about horror even. What about you, the dude? Do you have any movies ready for us? Yeah, I, I got a movie right here for you. Oh, man, lay it on me. Wait, wait, all right, you know what, don't do it right now, I gotta explain the fucking topic. <laughs> I was so focused on I'm trying to do that persona. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Listen, every single time I cut back to the show, it is my mission to get you as fucking off your feet as possible. I need to just shake the ground you're on and make you go, what the fuck was that? Because then I I, I made an imprint on your day, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like... The end of the day we're doing this. Bitch deal. Anyway, <laughs> today uh, we're having a, actually uh, a first in what's hopefully going to be a long line of episode topics. Um, it's a question of the week about our dream horror movie. So what that means is we will be deciding, uh, basically we'll be building a horror movie, basically picking the director, lead actor, support actor, composer, writer, and studio. And don't worry if you lost track of what we're doing. We'll be repeating all that as we're saying it. So don't and worry. So, because mm-hmm. this is a what if living or dead are allowed. It's not just right, dead right. and it's not just living. We could just bring back corpses. 
it's our dream movie, so it doesn't really have to adhere to freaking real life consequences. Uh, you want to go ahead and start us out with your movie? Yes. So okay, I don't like just one genre. I don't like just straight horror or straight action or something like that. So what I wanted to do was do a meld of uh, basically your fun, campy, B-list horror movie. Um, in my mind, the title is When the Dead Don't Die. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like a super grindhouse type of thing because those are my – like I want to go into this movie eating a gallon of fucking popcorn. Okay. And just being like, holy fuck, did you see that? Did you see that? That was really cool. And the chainsaw and all that stuff. Like, I just. So, how many O moments are we getting where you go, oh, oh? I want every five minutes and a whoa, what the fuck? Uh, kind of thing. And brutal, brutal. If we could get Planet Terror and just give it a shitload of cocaine, that's what I want. Um, that makes me think of like Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is not as paced as planetary but i love trick-or-treat trick-or-treat's a great movie uh well yeah also, i know planetary is way faster no for sure also <laughs> trick-or-treat is uh an anthology series film where there's multiple right. stories this is from beginning to end and i want it to be the 1980s versions of sylvester stallone as the lead actor and supporting actor <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger as what like, the rivalry the rivalry and I want it to be like that in the movie where Sly is the cop and Arnold is the firefighter. Because there's a there's a rivalry in the emergency services with cops and firefighters. There's a rivalry with them. And I think the aesthetic would be fucking great. Would be fucking great. So those but, are my but what's the horror element there? Zombies. It's zombies. Oh, they're, they're in a, oh shit. They're in a small town and the place is getting overrun. Now, I cheated, by the way, people, but this is my <laughs> fucking movie. There's going to be another supporting character, but he's he's, he's going to die because he has to die. Um, spoiler. Uh, yes, in this fictional movie. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, they can't exist because we don't have time machines. But you don't know. Bruce Campbell's going to be in the bar. He's the bartender, the bar owner. And he's. Oh, my God. He's the first one to start killing zombies. And then Arnold and Sly are like biffles with him, and he's the first one to die in front of them, and that's when they realize how deadly the the zombies are or whatever the fuck. Oh my god, he's the martyr for the team up. Yes, exactly. The uh, catalyst. Exactly. But, but first off, why would you kill Ash? I don't think I've actually like seen many movies where Ash dies. I can't kill Sly or Arnold. But they've actually died in things. <laughs> Yes, they die in things, but they die at the end. Oh, okay. I, I need, then then I we need, know what's going to happen. I need something to <laughs> combine them and all that. Besides, so zombies, uh, besides right? Besides Ash, the actor Bruce Campbell fucking hates zombies. So I just want to give him some money and that way he could be happy because I love him to death. Super great guy. <laughs> Super great guy at a convention. I love him. You know he's in Dead by Daylight, right? Yes, I know. So... <laughs> The composer, because it's my fucking movie, is going to be John Carpenter. Okay. Oh, got that synth score? Oh, yeah. I want I want that fucking... Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. 
that shit fucking going on. I want to escape from LA a little bit. Also, I'd like to be honest with you, uh, the audience. I tried to come up with a lead actress, but I couldn't think of anybody that wasn't in a movie already like this. You know, where they're the solo hero. But in horror, women tend to fucking own the genre, which is good. Yeah, which is good. The final girl wins. I I really like how it turned from being because we're not going to fucking mince me here. In the beginning, it was like, watch these, you know, scantily clad girls run around from the slasher killer. But as they kind of progressed through the 80s and 90s, a lot of like the the last girls started really fighting back in very unique and creative ways. And it really kind of gave way to more active in the plot female leads. And that's where we get our Ripley's and we get our, you know, um, not Jamie Lee Curtis. That's the actress Laurie Strode and stuff. You know what? I mean like we start getting into these really heroic you know actresses that that fucking are survivors you know what I mean yeah exactly so that's kind of why I went for like a buddy cop feel type of thing because that would mm-hmm. also apply to the action in the genre and and give a buddy cop feel zombie movie which I don't think we've had yet really we haven't had a buddy cop zombie movie yet well, I think we did with the Adam Driver one, but it didn't go super well. Maybe adding that 80 cents oh, score will, will score the, in the Stranger the Jim, Things crowd. The Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah. With, uh, what's his name from I didn't Ghostbusters? Get, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, Wait. yeah, exactly. I didn't see it either. Fuck. I'm sorry, Jim Jarmusch. I heard really good things about the movie. Actually, is that movie's name, When the Dead Don't Die? I feel like I ripped them yeah. off way too much. All right. I ripped yeah, them and off also, way too it was much. Like, <laughs> Your movie already exists. No, no. It's okay. That's actually a good thing. That means you can go watch it right now. Uh, 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 uh. The movie's name is The Dead Don't Die. Mine is When the Dead Don't Die. Uh-huh. You're right. That's not even close. You're right. That's about 95% similar. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I have a, a past participle. I forgot grammar. It doesn't have Arnold, though, and it doesn't have Sylvester Stallone, and it doesn't have John Carpenter doing the soundtrack. Or the writer would be James Gunn. Now, this was... Uh, oh, man. This was going to be difficult for me because I was really struggling on picking either him or Quentin. But I want to save Quentin for another thing. And James Gunn, he can nail comedy horror really well because he did Slither. He wrote and directed oh. that. And I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, and he got he cut his his teeth in horror with uh, Tromeo and Juliet in uh, trauma films. That's where he started. So if I could get him to do, also he wrote uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. So if I could get prime James Gunn writing, and if I could give him Sly and Arnold, two people that I know he loves because I I'm I follow his Twitter. And he also casted <laughs> Sly in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So it would Well, make... as like a cameo, but yeah, pretty much, I guess. Yeah, but it was supposed... He... Sly's coming back for Guardians 3 because the role's going to be expanded. But anyway... Also, I want to give a little quick tease to uh, the inevitable special of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 coming soon on a fan freaks near you. Right. And lastly, <laughs> the really only dead person that's directing this and the only man i can trust to keep the egos in check is george a romero because god damn it it's a zombie movie 
And if he can nail, he nailed the fucking genre. He's the goddamn forefather of it. I wouldn't put Alfred Hitchcock in the director's chair for something like this. If I tell him this is what I want and this is how I want it, he's going to be making it his way. But I think he'll nail what I want. Shit. Now you got me thinking because my director would totally be like, I don't care. I got to do it my way. Fuck. You're right. A director's going to put it in his own art, in his own way. Every director, mm. that's the job of the director. This is how I see the world. This is how I see it. Deal with it type of thing. And Romero's going to put his own spiel on it. But if I give him enough fucking money, I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, all right, let's make some money. Well, all right. Well, if it's your dream as well, you have infinite money to spend. So, so again, my director, George A. Romero, my writer, James Gunn, my composer, John Carpenter, lead actor, Sylvester Stallone, supporting actor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and little supporting character who's gonna die in the second act bruce campbell okay well damn i feel like this is a very solid fucking like midnight flick with with soda and popcorn and rowdy crowds and everything do it at the drive-in for sure this that's the aesthetic and vibe that i want my god you really do you think that sylvester stallone and arnold would be like fuck it let's do a fun movie and not like it like expendables you could say was fun but i mean like something like literally lower brow i guess even then expendables oh yeah there's gonna have to be like some titties in this there's gonna have to be a lawnmower <laughs> scene like in throw the- a dick or two come on fuck it oh yeah Help no, all no, the no. Audiences. no i i i need to see I need to see a gay scene between Slime. <laughs> oh my god. Who's the bottom? But, Who's but you the can't top? have it end with a gay panic thing. But it can't have a gay panic ending where it's like, no, well, you know, we were just acting, you know. It's gotta be like a nah, we were feeling the moment. I don't care. He was cute. And then just move on. <laughs> <laughs> What's your movie? What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, that was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, that's actually really cool And what was the name of your movie? When the Dead Don't Die Similar to another and movie called The Dead Don't Die But yes, mine and- added a, a past participle Or present past What's the fucking you grammar? You could even say that you had died by daylight even Oh <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you ever see the movie Dead Alive Directed by Peter Jackson? Oh, um, no, but I saw, like, the first fucking half, uh, not half, like, the first act of it, and then I never got to finish it, but I meant to. It's really fun. There's a lawnmower scene where this guy kills all the zombies with a lawnmower, and it's fucking great. Okay, I'm thinking of another movie then, but anyway, uh, I was thinking of They Live, just kidding. Anyway, (laughs) alright, so, uh, my movie, so, I kind of... When this topic came up, I was like, I'll pick something quick, you know, all my favorite things, and we'll just run with that. And then I was like, no, hold on, let me figure out a premise, because the dude already has a fucking premise. You had your shit super ready, and I was like, alright, you know what, I'll build one. I'll build one right fucking here and now. So, to be fair, I just wanna, to be fair, at one point, we almost had the same premise. That is true. That is true. I I, I am lucky that that you were able to concede. (laughs) Yeah, because, I, I don't know, I always have a backup plan, so I was like, oh, he he's doing that, I'll do this then. 
Well, either way, we would have had different ones. But, you know, at the same time, I, I appreciate this. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's what I <laughs> but do. here we go. I do for you, Boobala. I do for you. Aw, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So here's my dream horror movie. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you the title first, and we're going to move from there. Okay. So I ultimately went with Echo. Okay. Um, And not Echo the Dolphin. Because now I know that's going to be the first thing everyone thinks of. But I find that like single word horror movie titles, Annihilation, Hereditary, <laughs> Midsommar. <laughs> like, like just they are so effective at being like very bold. So I would probably go with Echo for now. And as you'll see why it work factors in. Um, my director is going to be David Lynch. Oh, fuck um, you. He's going to be an asshole. <laughs> that you know as you were talking about like uh, well he's not an asshole first off i follow the man pretty damn closely online but he is very particular about doing things his way and i'm not saying that i would want you know no it has to be my way and that's it but like he would be the kind of director that wants complete control over his project now in this dream scenario i'm gonna say that i worked with him and didn't make him have a horrible time like he did on the set of dune uh, he, he's gonna actually enjoy making this movie, and he's gonna find all sorts of way to, cause, I'm in the, in my mind, this movie that I'm describing, uh, and I'm gonna give you the plot in a minute, it, it's, it's kinda like a psychological thriller, with some more, um, out there, um, trippy visuals that I'm trying to go for. I know that's probably what everyone says when they talk about psychological thrillers, but instead of, like, the main focus being like adrenaline and whatnot i want it to be like believe it or not kind of like the midsomar way of freaking you out in the beginning where it's like it's a okay a mixture of something like midsomar and annihilation where the in, in terms of visuals where you see that grossly uh you know disgusting thing but to satisfy your morbid curiosity you look at it like i brought it up earlier so i have a feeling david lynch would be really good at like showing abstract ideas in a literal way you know like how he always does but in such a fucking way that makes you go what oh hmm and he has a way of building ambience so i want you to get immersed and the first person i go to for that is david lynch is that fair that's fair <laughs> okay um but yeah you're totally right he'd be very controlling um, so, uh, I'll go ahead and say my next one. My composer, not a lot of people will know him, but his name is Oliver Duvier. Um, and I know you probably don't know who he is. He is the composer of, um, a couple of video game soundtracks, uh, namely Obscure, Alone in the Dark, and recently Streets of Rage 4, which I recently found out, which is pretty cool. But now I'm going to go into the plot, okay, of what this movie would be about um, as I bring into the lead and support actor. Um, so, basically, we follow the story of... Um, a lady, let's make her a mom, although it might be a problem because it's too similar to a previous role this person has had. Uh, but a, a, a mom, uh, Tony Collette, <laughs> is living in a house with, uh, with her son or her family or whoever she wants to protect. I haven't really gone that far yet. But she has someone in the house that she really wants to look out for, and she's just, she's just an everyday mom, right? But you can tell, just like in a hereditary performance, in her hereditary performance... Um, she has this, like, dark streak to her where, you know, you kind of are like, well, 
she's, you know, a mom and she's very loving and she's caring, but there's obvious downsides and bad parts to her personality, just like everyone else would have. But just like how Hereditary does it, it would be this kind of like, well, is she kind of that sort of gone too far dark or is she like still battling on the surface? Like, am I wrong in Hereditary? Tony, she has such a fucking amazing way of like not you're never sure whether she's completely sane or in control. You don't know where she stands, right? Oh, for sure. At any moment, she could go zero to 100. That's how I felt. It's yeah, it's so crazy. So I I want to take that and make that a protagonist again because having that as a protagonist is so great in a tense movie because you just don't know where your your protagonist is gonna do. He's she's not predictable, and that's very important for a thriller. So um, David Lynch, by the way, also really excels at um showing dualities. And I'll go into that in a second, but I'll, I'll finish off the plot. So this mom is living in her house with her family, and her neighbor, this may be a, a standard cliche, but you know me, I love a simple premise that expands from that simple premise. So really, it's one of those like weird neighbor movies, but I want it to go in a very... Because uh, really, a lot of those movies are like, are they crazy? Is, the, is my next door neighbor nuts? Are they actually, you know, murdering people? Or am I just imagining things? You know, um, Suspiria with fucking, um, what's his face? Dario Argento. Not Suspiria. No, no, not Suspiria. I'm so sorry. I'm an idiot. The one with uh, the guy from Holes. Oh, my God. Transformers. Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Where he's looking in the binoculars across the, the and he's like looking at his neighbor and he's seeing he's doing, doing suspicious shit. Yeah. Yeah, even um, Fright Night did it. Um, oh my God, I forgot the name, but I'm it, sure we'll it, get it in the comments. Rear Window was the original with uh, uh, Hitchcock. Right, it, it's a simple premise. I'm not saying this is groundbreaking, but I want it to actually go in. Okay, in that supernatural direction, like I want it to tempt in the beginning and then just go for it. Disturbia. So the neighbors kind of. Disturbia, not Suspiria, duh. Um, So to finish off the plot synopsis, because I'm an idiot not formatting this right, her neighbor will be played by Choi Min-suk. He is the lead actor from Old Boy. Uh, You know Old Boy? I know Old Boy. I know real Old Boy. Yeah, real. Okay, when I say Old Boy, you can pretty much take for granted that I'm not talking about the Spike Lee one. I'm sorry, okay? Like, I hate the fact that I gotta clarify now, because that movie didn't even try. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, Troy's performance in that movie, he plays, like, in the beginning, he plays a very, um, mild, not even mild-mannered, he's a drunk in the beginning, he's in the police station, but there's such a radical change in his body and, and his tone and his way of, he carries himself from before he gets captured to when he leaves captivity in Old Boy. I kind of wanted that sort of extreme behavior. When we start getting, like, exposition about who the neighbor is, I wanted that kind of innocent first half of old boy uh, version of Troy. And then as we see the neighbor today, he is that, you know, haggard, grizzled version of old boy towards the end. And it's all about Tony Collette trying to figure out what's going on with Troy. Like, why is there something, like, wrong with him? Is he have, like, a mental um, disability or something that's, that's making him act this? weird like shits there's loud noises echoes coming from the house um and the and that's where the title comes in echo because the idea is she needs to investigate but it's you know it's obviously an, an invasion of privacy but you know in these scenarios it's always something like oh he's actually like 
I don't know, uh, a murderer and he kills her. Or, no, actually it was nothing and she just gets herself killed. The end. No. I want my movie to, like, play around with the idea of it being something real, but then ultimately just go full into the supernatural. I want it to be, like, he's actually, the neighbor's actually a guy that's trying to hold down a curse that his family is under, and that's why weird things are happening, and the only way for it to not spread is for no one else to find out about it, but Tony Collette is just so fucking driven to find out and protect her family, she inadvertently gets into it. You know what I mean? Like, this kind of, I wanted it to be... No one is 100% right, and no one is 100% wrong. Troy's character is not wrong for wanting to keep Tony Collette out. It's for her own safety. But on the flip side, Tony Collette wants to protect her family, so she's not wrong either. And you know who's really fucking good at dualities? David Lynch. And David Lynch could really show, like, how you need to show why they do it, the good parts of why they do something, to really understand the bad parts of why they do something. I'm so sorry if I'm, like, rambling, but I I really started picturing this idea as you were giving me ideas on, like, why I like certain movies. As I was writing this, the dude is like, well, you like Hereditary, and you like this movie, and you like that movie, and I'm like, shit, you're right. Let me go ahead and combine all these elements into something, right? Right. Um, now, just to sort of end everything, because I only got two more things to mention, uh, the writer of this movie would be Bong Joon-ho from Parasite, um, because holy shit, that screenplay. Um, if there's any script that made me, like, again, this is my theme that I really wanted to go with because we picked David Lynch, is understanding why someone would do something that a, a antagonist would do. Like, Everyone feels justified in their own story, but ultimately that's not how the world works, right? right? So I don't know, having Bong Joon-ho come in and write this story about two different households the way he did with Parasite, like, right? Like he was able to just show these two distinct families in a way that just really synergized and harmonized, right? Right. I'm getting I'm getting where you're coming from. I'm picking up. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not like just like not making any sense. You get what I mean by like balance and trying to like show both of it right right i get it okay good good and then the studio that would be doing it would be a24 because holy shit they should just handle everything because they're amazing oh i forgot we had to include studio mine was gonna be universal okay that's a solid pick that's an old go-to so i mean you know Uh, go to them then (laughs) yeah uh i forgot to uh who's your supporting actor I forgot to ask. Uh, Choi Min-suk. Um, I- I'm no doubt mispronouncing his name as well as Bong Joon-ho, but uh, Choi Min-suk is the guy from Old Boy. Right. And Tony collects the the lead. Is the lead, yeah. Because right. I want it to be her because I want that family element for her to sort of like have the audience be like, no, you know, I have a family. I can relate to Tony's character. And I I want the the audience to eventually sympathize with Choi's character, the neighbor, and, and see why he went to such extremes. And I really want him to go to extremes to keep the spirit or whatever nonsense in his house, you know what I mean? And I really, if a movie like that already exists, please point me in the way to it. But I love movies where, like, the main character wants to do something good, is doing things for good. But, you know, the world isn't that black and white, and there's just going to be a gradient that happens, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Damn, that should have been the title of the movie. It's a bit long. 
Yeah, well, you know what? If Panic at the Disco can have a song called uh, Build Tables and then we'll talk honey or whatever the fuck, then I can have a long title movie. Okay? Yeah, that's true. It is your movie. It's my dream fucking movie. You know what? If the, if the movie theater has to put an extra fucking, you know, digit or, or extra little standee card for my, my title, fuck them. <laughs> I don't care. It's a dream. But well, uh, the title was Echo, by the way. <laughs> title was Echo. I think uh, I think we have a really interesting uh, premise to do with question of the week from now on. Yeah, right? This is a pretty good format. We can actually build several different kind of movies this way. Like, I didn't use Tarantino for the same reason you did. Like, he's just not built for horror, I feel, right? I mean, he's done it, but I want him for my gangster movie. Ooh, wow, that's a, that's not a bad pull either. See, I'm thinking about putting him for, in for my action movie. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to use the same people. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We got to spread it around. And, and of course, I'm putting David Lynch here now because horror is very important to me. And yes, dude, Carpenter is a very good pick. And I'm actually kind of kicking myself that I didn't think of more, um, you know, act uh, directors that have passed and whatnot. But like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I got to stay with David. I've been learning so much about him for the past few months. He is so interesting. Holy shit. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. Yep. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this has been our Fan Freaks episode about our dream horror movies. Uh, well, I wanted to just say one thing. Which oh, one of okay. our movies would you watch? Okay. Oh, oh, you're going to make this a competition now. <laughs> okay. Which one? Okay. No, no, I like this. This will determine whether or not, like, wh- how our movies would do in a box office is depending on what the audience would vote on, right? Exactly. Okay. All right. So this will be our, our little experiment. You out there, let us know on the Fan Freaks Facebook or either one of our Twitters. I'm Bone King TV. He's Adrian MDOD. And let us know which one of our movies you would watch first. I mean, no doubt, knowing most people, they'd watch both. Like, people just like movies. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They do. It's Who a can good, blame them? It's a good thing to like. Yeah. And you know what? I like movies, and I just hope they like me back. They really like me. Oh, that was they a, like me. That was, they really, really like me. That was way too much Sally Field for me. Like, I did way too much. There can always be more Sally Fields, or maybe some Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> Steven, hide your wives. It's he'll fuck 'em toast. Oh God! You know what? All right, guys, we're doing another Toast to London podcast right after this. We'll talk to you later. Can you okay. Hear me love you. Me. Yes, I can hear you. God damn it! All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye. I'm quite sure they will say so.